Turn your Bibles with me to Numbers 12. Numbers chapter 12. Turn me up. Numbers chapter 12. Verse 1. The Bible says that then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord in this spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Verse 3. I want us to read verse 3 together. Ready, go. Oh, I said, let's read it together. Ready, go. Read it again. Ready, go. Hallelujah. Verse 4. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you, come out, you, the, you three, to the, te- uh, to the tabernacle of meeting. And the three came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. And he said, hear my words, hear now my words. If there, if there is any prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak to him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings and He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Are you reading with me? What verse am I on? Then Aaron turned to Miriam, and there was, she was a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly, and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out, when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried out to the, to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would, it, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And after the people moved from Hezaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Right. So this story is a story that I'm sure we all know, and it talks about how Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. How many of you remember that Miriam was the elder, eldest, isn't it? Followed by Aaron, and Moses was like the, the last of the, of the siblings. And Aaron was the mouthpiece of, of Moses. And the Bible also says that uh, Miriam was also a prophetess in the camp. So we are talking about three leaders. Hallelujah. There are three leaders. All of them are leaders. And in their eyes, Moses had made a mistake because Moses had gone to marry a black woman. In the original language, it's called the Kushite woman or a woman from Ethiopia. But if you read the instructions that God had given to them, God never said they shouldn't marry any Kushites. 
or any black people. He said, don't marry from the Canaanites. That's all he said. The Hivites, the Hittites, and those ites. But he never mentioned, but that is beside the point. The point is, Miriam criticized. Amen. And as, as for Aaron, I have a problem with him. I mean, this is me. I mean, it's a personal problem. It seems as if he never orchestrates anything, but any negativity he supports. How many have, have that same thing? I mean, when they say, uh, we, want, we want to be like uh, uh, those other people and serve uh, God, uh, make us a, a golden calf. He just did as, as they said. Miriam gets up and begins to criticize Moses. What does he do? He joins to criticize. And when he sees that trouble is coming, he's the first to go and say, my Lord, how do you call your younger brother my Lord? Hallelujah. But verse 3 is what I want us to look at today. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Amen. For my subject today, I want to talk about the power of humility. The power of humility. We've been talking about pride. How many remember? We've been talking about pride for a while. But today I want us to look at the power of humility. Last, the last time I were talking, I said to us that humility is not being subservient. Humility is not uh, being uh, uh, sheepish and being soft. Being soft is not the same as humility. You know, like you are soft, everybody walks over you, and you say that I am humble. No, that is not humility. Humility is far away from that. We are going to talk about that, but before we talk about that, I want us to look at this story again and look at what it means to criticize leadership. And this is leadership criticizing leadership. Are you with me? This is, it's not like the congregation criticizing. Do you remember that after this, uh, Dayton and Abiram also rose up and to criticize Moses. Their, their uh, punishment was different from what happened here. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? But this is what I want us to, to understand that when leaders, you see, lead, when leadership sin, the way God punishes them is different from when the congregation sins. Hello? I say when leadership sin, that's why we shouldn't be quick to become leaders. You know, when you are in any employment, you want to become a, a boss, isn't it? You want to be promoted and be promoted to the day you become the boss. But for, for the, the, the things of God, it is not like that. Don't be quick to become a leader because the leader's punishment is not the same as everybody else. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Let me show you a scripture in the Bible. Come with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, sorry, 5. 1 Timothy 5, 19 says that, but do not receive accusations against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Verse 20 is what I'm looking for. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also, the rest also may fear. Can you see that? When an elder sins, the rebuke is in front of everybody. Uh, the place is very quiet. I, 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 did you understand, understand that? When an elder sins, it's not the same as when the, the church member sins. That's why we shouldn't be quick. I want to be a leader. I want to be a... Hey! <laughs> it's not that simple. Tell somebody it's not that simple. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says that the Gentiles lord leadership over, over the, the, their subjects. But for us, it's not so. The one who wants to be the leader must be the least or the servant of all. Am I talking to somebody? Hello? Hi. But I want us to go and today talk about the power of Humility. Bible says that Moses was the meekest or the humblest person or the most humble person in the whole of the congregation. He was a humble man. Very, very humble. My, my question is, how can a humble man 
lead three million people? How can a humble man lead three million people? If humility is being soft, if humility is being like a, a doormat that anybody and everybody can walk on, you know, these days when you come to church and, and uh, 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 a pastor shouts, hey, and he's a pastor, and he's talking to me, how, anyhow, a pastor is supposed to be the one that everybody slaps. And he turns the other cheek, isn't it? <laughs> Hello? How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's not, that's not humility. Can I give you a definition of humility? Humility is being free from pride and arrogance with the knowledge that in your flesh you are inadequate, yet you know who you are in Christ. Can I say that again? Humility is being free from pride and arrogance with the knowledge that your in your flesh you are inadequate, yet you know who you are in Christ. In Christ, I am what I am. Amen. Amen. Now, can I tell you a story? Hello? I, I read a, a story this morning, and, and I, I want to share the story with you. The story goes like this. There was a, 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 a young lady that used to go every Saturday morning to clean the church. Uh, and uh, every Saturday morning, oh, you are writing, so you are not paying attention. Can I give you a few minutes to finish writing, then we can talk? Hello? This young lady, every Saturday morning, goes to clean the church building. And every Saturday morning, you know, she wears her, her faded T-shirt and her faded, uh, what do you call it, jeans. And uh, you know how they put the cloth around her waist, and she goes to clean the, the, the church and everything. And one day, this young hotshot lawyer, hotshot, you know, like uh, business person, came, happened to go to the church that morning, just go, went to the church, was going to pick something in the church. And when, she went, when he went, he saw this lady cleaning. He didn't say anything, and he left then okay, another couple of occasions, he went there and he saw this woman every Saturday cleaning the pulpit area, the chairs, wiping the chairs and everything. And then one day, he was in his house. Then he felt the urge that the Saturday morning, he should go to be a blessing to this woman. So when he went, he saw the woman cleaning the the place, the pulpit area and everything. The woman looks wretched with her faded t-shirt, her jeans, and a cover cloth. So he went to the woman and then took a few uh, notes and said to the woman, I feel that God brought me here today to be a blessing to you. So I want to give you some money. You know, for being very, very diligent, always coming to clean this place, you know, and all that. So take this money. And the woman just smiled and said, no, I don't need your money. And the guy was insisting. So the guy thought that maybe the money he had taken was not enough. So he took some more and added and wanted to give. By this time, the woman had finished. The lady had finished cleaning. and She was, he was, she was putting all the equipment away to go home. And the man was following the woman all over the place. You know, I feel that I have to be a blessing to you. I feel that God is saying that, you know, do you need a job? Do you need me to do something for you? The woman said no. So as they were talking, the woman this time had gone out of the church walking towards. And the man said, okay, fine. If you don't need any money, let me give you a lift to where you are going. And the woman said, no, I'm okay. Then uh, as they were talking, she goes to this BMW X5 and then click, click, and opens the door. It's the brand new latest BMW limited edition X5. Black with cream interior. And he goes to, goes to sit, as he was going to sit there, and the guy saw his car that he was, then he was a bit confused. So he looked again to the, the lady, and the lady said, oh, 
maybe, and then the lady turned. As he turned in confusion, the lady said that maybe God brought you here to teach you something. To help you and not me. And with that, she sat in a car and sped off. See, humility is not being poor. Humility is not being wretched. In fact, you don't know whether somebody is humble until they are very rich or very powerful and if they stay humble. Otherwise, you don't know the person. If the person is broke, they are always humble when they are broke. How many agree with me? Every, every broke person appears humble. It is only when the, the person has a bob or two in their pockets and life has changed that you can tell whether the person is really humble or they are not. Hallelujah. This woman was filthy rich. But she had made a covenant with her God that as long as I have breath within me, Every Saturday morning, I will go and clean the house of God. I said, humility is being free from pride or arrogance. You are free from it. And you know that you don't have any power in yourself. Whatever you are, you are by the grace of God. This woman realized that her wealth, her car, and all the things that she had was not because she was clever. It was not because she had, uh, she had uh, you know, source, uh, resources or connections. But it was because God had given. What is it that you have that God hasn't given to you? And what is it that you have so much that you are boastful of? I'm proud because I'm very pretty. I'm proud because I'm very rich. I'm proud because I'm connected. I'm proud because I have money. I'm proud because I'm old. And you are young. You don't know anything. You are wet between the ears. Listen to wisdom. It also doesn't mean that you don't know who you are. You know who you are. But you know that who you are is because of Christ. Amen. Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs. I'm still talking about definition of humility, right? Proverbs 22, 4. By humility, the fear of the Lord are what? Riches and honor and life. Amen. By what? Humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches and honor and life. See, humility is also recognizing that you need God's help. And that you cannot succeed in your own strength. It is thanking God for your talents and gifts and giving him credit for your accomplishment. Humility is also recognizing that you need God. Amen. And that you cannot truly succeed in your own strength. It is thanking God for your talents and gifts, giving him credit for your accomplishments. Amen. Do we really give God credit for our accomplishments? Or do we get very pompous because we are rich? We read uh, the story of, uh, what was the guy's name again? The, 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 the one who became leprous. Uriah, wasn't it? Uriah became successful when he was 16 years. He became the king, and then he became an inventor and all that. And then he became, when he became successful, the temptation of pride entered into him. And then he... Uziah, was it Uziah? Yeah, Uziah. And then he went on to become so great that he now went into the temple and was trying to desecrate the temple. And he had forgotten that his wealth, his 
resources was as a result of the grace of God. Amen. Can I give you another story? 1 Kings 19. There's a guy there. This guy, he's eight years old. He's called Josiah. Josiah was eight years old. Yeah? Did I say 1 Kings? No, 2 Kings, sorry. 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was something and then something. Verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In fact, for the sake of time, I'll tell you the story. You can go home and check it when you, uh, when you get home. He, he got to a point at the time Israel had forgotten God. Israel wasn't, there was no, nothing about God. But Josiah one day was sitting in his, in his uh, place. He was sitting in his place. And then he asked, isn't there a prophet? And then he found this lady or this priest. And the priest came. And then he said to, to the priest, read the scriptures for me and interpret the scriptures. And the priest read the scripture and interpreted the scripture. Listen to what happened to Josiah. Go to verse 11. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Somebody say he tore his clothes. Now, you, you may read this and not understand what it meant for a king to tear his clothes. You know the clothes or the robes that the royalty wear is a symbol of their status, is a symbol of their power, is a symbol of who they are. It represents everything that they have. Have you seen that the queen doesn't wear her crown and all those things except on a very, very important occasions, isn't it? So when she puts her royal robes on, it is to symbolize her power, her authority, her, her importance and everything. And for Josiah the king to tear his clothes, it means he was saying that my importance don't mean anything. I am nothing without God. When he heard the word, he was convicted. And he thought, you know, tearing your clothes in the culture uh, at the time was, was a sign of, of, of uh, sadness. A sign that you are humbled by what you have heard. It's normally done when people receive death news. When people die, they, they, they sit in ashes, they tear their clothes. Amen. Now go to verse 19. Because now, after he tore his clothes, God promoted him. Right? And this is what happens. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against the place, this place, and against the inhabitants, that, uh, that they would become a desolation and a curse, you tore your clothes and wept for me. I, the Lord, heard you, says the Lord. And the Lord promoted him. But then after a while, pride also entered into him. And then he became something else. Hallelujah. He became something else. But I want us to look at, look at, come with me, look at something in, in 1 Corinthians 1.29. 1 Corinthians 1.29. We are still talking about humility. Amen. Amen. How many are going to be humble? Uh, are you in 1 Corinthians 1.29? That no flesh to do what? Glory in his presence. But... Of him you are in Christ, Jesus who is for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31. And as it's written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Say to anyone who glories. Anyone who glories. Let him glory, let him glory. 
in the Lord. Boast because of the grace of God. Not because of who you are. Not in your flesh. Because in your flesh is nothing. In fact, if you want to see how nothing you are, or how nothing we are, look at somebody who is asleep. How many have seen somebody who is asleep before? Oh, somebody is fast asleep. And when their mouth is open, and they are lying there helpless. You see how nothing we are. Hello? Oh, you are not minding me. Yeah, when you see somebody who is asleep and you look at them, you see how, how feeble we are, how nothing we are. Yeah. When you see somebody who is sick and helpless in bed, then you see how frail life is. How, I mean, how helpless we are as human beings. Yet the tongue boasts of a lot of things. In James, the Bible says that we have been able to bridle ships. We, we know how to move horses, bridle, you know, but that as for the tongue, we can't call. No man has been able to tame the tongue. It's untamable. I'll tell you another story. How many remember Saul? Now, Saul was looking for his father's donkeys that were missing. How many remember that story? And then uh, uh, somebody said, let's go to the seer. The servant said, let's go to the seer. He may be able to tell us where the donkeys are. And then they went to see the seers. When they went to the seer, the seer said that, listen, I have a, a, a banquet, so you go ahead of me and I will make you the main attraction. But as for the donkeys that you were looking for, don't worry about them. Your father has found them. But you came because God is about to make you a king. And listen to what Saul said. Who am I of the tribe of Benjamin? And in my tribe, in my uh, tribe, I'm the, our family is the least. And in my family, I am the least. How many could see humility? And that is what attracted God to Saul. But then when Saul became the king, and then he went to uh, war and he became successful, then pride entered into him. Then, you know, his self. You see, pride, pride is trying to uh, 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 show your powers. Are you with me? It's trying to present yourself as something. Present yourself strong. Present yourself as somebody who is, who is notable. Present yourself as somebody who is strong, uh, is beautiful, is something. So you see, anybody who is proud, they are always trying hard to keep and project that image. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? In this day of selfie, in this day of Facebook, in this day of social media, Instagram, Insta T, Insta whatever, you will see that every time, nobody puts a bad picture of theirs on Facebook. Or they'll Photoshop it, isn't it? When they take a picture, they'll brighten, this, they'll filter, they'll do this, they'll do that, they'll do that. Hello? How many understand what I'm saying? Because we are all trying to present something, an image, which is usually not what it is really. I, 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 we airbrush the pictures, fill the holes, lighten some shades, make our skin nice and beautiful. Oh, nobody's minding me. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, in this day and age, we, everybody wants to show off. And so pride has eaten into us. And that is how come we have lost the grace of God. How many remember First, first uh, Peter 5? Five, 5. It says, that, humble yourself. Humble yourself in, under the mighty hand of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. 
You humble yourself, he lifts you up. Do you remember the, the, the uh, sketch we did here last two weeks? I was fighting uh, a 10-year-old. I was spying with him. And for me to spar with a 10-year-old, really, if we came to fight for real, there's no way that boy no can... Chance. No chance for him. <laughs> can fight me. Are you with me? But it means that I have to come down to that level to fight. You see, humility is, I know my strength. Are you with me? But I'm not exerting my strength on him. I can spar with him not exerting all my strength or all my effort so that it keeps me humble. I need to be more humble to relate with him. Amen. If we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. If we exalt ourselves, he puts us down. Proverbs. Are you learning something? I said, are you learning something? Proverbs. Have we looked at... Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs I want us to, to look at. If I can find it. Before I go to that, turn your Bibles with me to, before I go to Proverbs, look at uh, 1 Samuel 9. This is the story I was talking about. 1 Samuel 9, 21. Saul answered, am I not a Benjamite from the least tribe? Can you see that? And then look at 1 Samuel 15, 17. This is Prophet Samuel talking to Saul. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you to be king over Israel? When you were little in your own eyes. You see, when you are under the mighty hand of the Lord and you humble yourself, that mighty hand lifts you. But when you try to lift yourself, under the mighty hand of God. What happens? You see, the mighty hand is mighty for a reason. <laughs> that mighty hand pushes you down. And when that mighty hand is pushing you down, there's nothing you can do that will lift you up. Am I talking to somebody? You know, when you're trying to show yourself, trying to project yourself, immediately God just steps back. But if you've got it, then you don't need me. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you can do it by yourself, have you ever realized that when you are trying to fight your own battle, God leaves you alone? If you've got it sussed out, then you don't need me. But when you allow God to fight your battle for you, I was looking for the scripture, pride goes before a fall. Look for that scripture for me. Pride goes before a fall. I think it's Proverbs 14. Pride goes before a fall. And look at Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through self-ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Amen. Esteem each other better than you. What does it mean? To esteem each other better than you. It means that if you see a child, if you see a child, Say, for instance, if you see a child, and uh, uh, the way to esteem the child better than you is that, is to see the child when you were his age, you didn't know what he knows. Did you understand what I'm saying? 1618, Proverbs 1618. I'm talking about esteeming each other. When the child knows more than you knew when you were his age. The Bible says, condescend to men of low degree. In James, the Bible says, come down. Condescend to men of low degree. 
don't exert your qualifications on them. Don't say that I am educated, you are not. I am wealthy and you are not. I am this and you are not. No, 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 no. Calm down. Esteem them higher than you. Because the more you esteem somebody higher than you, the more God lifts you up. You know, Saul, when Saul became king and was roaming around doing all the exploits, and David came along, and David was brought in to kill Goliath, and the women started to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. What happened? Immediately, he got angry. Why did he get angry? Because his pride was hurt. This little boy has now taken my glory. So what did he do? He gathered people to go and fight him. Come with me to 1 Samuel 20. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Let's look at this story. I'm sure you all know it. But I think we should look at it. First. First Samuel, are you there? Right. 24. Now it happened when Saul returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And Saul took 3,000 men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. That means that he went to attend to nature's call. Isn't it? He went to use the loo in the, in the cave. Hello? <laughs> then the man of Saul, of David, said to him, This day the Lord... This day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seemed good to you. And David arose and secretly, secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him. Now I want you to second the word, his heart troubled him. I'll come back to it. His heart troubled him. Amen. Because he cut off the king's robe and he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is the, Lord's and he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. He was oblivious to what had happened to him. Hello? But how many know that? We said humility is something that is in the heart. Did I say it last week? Humility is in the heart. It's not, it's not what you do, per se. It's something that is a heart thing. When somebody is humble, it's because of their heart. It's nothing to do with what they have or what they don't have. I'm talking about the woman with the uh, BMW. She was humble in her heart. So that whatever she had, her, her prosperity, her riches and everything, did not affect her actions. There are some people, when they get promoted, they don't go to church anymore. There are some people, when they get elevated, immediately they stop anything that they were doing. Because new levels, new devils. I need to show that now I don't have time. Yeah. Now when you are coming to church, you have entourage. You have bodyguards, two in front, two on the side, two behind. And when you are coming, you send messages ahead of time that they access to clear the first four rules. Because you and your, your entourage will have to sit. 
But the person who is humble, it's a hard thing. And they don't change who they are. They see themselves as who they were before God elevated them. It doesn't change them. I have seen some very humble pastors with big mega churches. If nobody tells you this man has a mega church of about 10, 20,000, you will never know. And I've seen people who have only about 20 people in their church or 30 people in their church. And the way they carry themselves. Two in front, two on the side, two at the back. Who are they guiding you from? You. Who knows you? <laughs> are, you, are, you are you understand what I'm saying? It's a hard thing. You see, David was about to kill Saul, but his heart smote him because the thing in his heart was humility. Humility, a humble person, you don't lift your, your, your voice against authority. You don't lift up your sword against authority because there is no authority that is placed over you without God saying so. Are you with me? That is why whatever authority God puts us under, we must revere the authority and reverence the authority. Hallelujah. He said that seeing that he is the Lord's anointed, I dare not. I dare not kill him. Even though he's come with 3,000 men to come and kill me. But you know something? His humility taught his servants, that's David's servants, that the day that David gets vulnerable, he goes to sleep with Bathsheba and kills Uriah, they don't rise up against him. See, humility, you are teaching others something. Pride, you are also teaching others something. See, when you're arrogant and talking, blah, blah, now you, you give your mother money because you are rich and your mother looks to you for daily upkeep. So you talk to your mother anyhow. You are teaching your children how they should talk to you. You are preaching. Are, are you with me? The problem with, with pride is that it is so uh, transient that we don't remember what we are doing when we are doing it. Hallelujah. I mean, understand what I'm saying. The, the thing with, 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 with arrogance is that when you're arrogant and you're in your, you don't even think what you're doing. But you see, it's, it's anything you sow, you have to reap. That law, that law remains. In, in Genesis 8, the Bible says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and heat, Cold and winter will never pass. So everything you are doing, because of pride, arrogance, remember that the harvest is always greater than what you plant. Am I talking to somebody? What you sow, you reap. When David sowed humility towards Saul, he reaped it. I said he reaped it. David messed up more times than Saul ever did. He did more, 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 more. Uh, Saul was trying to silence David. That was his mistake. As for David, murder, adultery, all the, he disobeyed God more times than Saul ever did. But because of humility, God kept making excuses for him. There is something about humility that makes you attractive. I said there's something about humility that makes you attractive. I'm not talking about being subservient. When you're subservient, it's not the same as humility. You know, that's painful respect. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like when you see a person. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not humility. In fact, that is arrogance. You know that uh, uh, self, you know, it's repulsive. How many know what I'm saying? When somebody's pretending, how many know what I'm talking about? When somebody's pretending, and you get this person's pretentious, and you always, oh yes, yes. Have you ever went to somebody like that? When the boss is around, 
Oh, did I make a coffee or tea for you? Did I make this? You think the bosses don't know? They've been doing this work longer than you have been around. They know who is real and who is not. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. When you see somebody's real, you will see. When somebody is, not, is fake, you also see. Was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday. We were listening to um, Obama speak. How many remember? Was it yesterday? And then uh, uh, Trump was also speaking. But you see, I'm not a politician. I don't do politics. I don't know anything about politics. You know, it's, it's, it's Pastor Gloria's field. It has nothing to do with me. But you can see me. I'm apolitical, so I'm just looking from the outside in. And I could see a certain love that people have for one person and a certain group that you can see tolerating that. Do you, do you get it? Because arrogance is repulsive. Mm. It doesn't matter how you try to cover it. Or we, it's repulsive. And when you show humility, it's also attractive. You may not even agree with what they are saying, but humility always attracts you to somebody. How many understand what I'm saying? There's a certain power that's in humility. Come with me to Philippians 2. Are you learning something? If you didn't remember anything I said today, please, what I want you to take home with you is that humility has to do with the heart. It is not necessarily the actions you portray. It is a hard thing. Amen. I say it's a hard thing. Are you in Proverbs? Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. How many remember that Jesus one time was Beating people in the, in the temple. Somebody said, ah, if he was beating some people in the temple, then that's arrogance. That is pride. No. Humility is no weakness. Humility is knowing who you are, but you contain yourself. He said, even though he was God, he did not regard himself as God. He took the form of a man. He took the form of a mere man and he became obedient even unto death. You and I are men, but none of us in this room will obey to death. Amen. But Paul is saying that let this mind be in you. The mind of humility, because humility is a hard thing. Let it be. Humility is not in addressing. It's not in here. You know how people dress humble? They wear long skirts to their ankles. They wear flowy gowns. You know, they are some of the most proud people. <laughs> no. It's not in the dressing, it's in the heart. Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Verse 9 says that, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. At the mention, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth. Amen. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. He humbled himself so much God has elevated him. Because as for the mighty hand, it's over all of us. And when you humble yourself, he exalts you. When you exalt yourself, he humbles you. 
Amen. Amen. The power of humility is that you put the put the uh, the, the last bits. The power of humility. Number one. The benefits of increasing humility. Humility relieves from stress of impression or impressing others. Isn't it? Because pride, you have to maintain. Have you seen somebody who shows that they are very rich and then maybe they become bankrupt? Things change. Things change. Things change. Maybe they lose their job, but they still, they become so, they have to try and maintain a certain status, which doesn't exist. How many have seen such people before? Yeah. And you see them doing all sorts of shady things also to try and keep up. But I see when you're humble, listen, if I have it, I have it. If I don't have it, I don't have it. I don't force to be like one of the Joneses. Amen. How many of us really think that it makes life free for you? It makes it easier. It's stress-free. If I have one shoe, I have one shoe, and that's it, and I am happy. I don't have to always force to buy shoes on credit. No. You borrow shoes, you borrow hair, you borrow lipstick. I don't know what I'm talking about. You borrow, you borrow everything. Because you have to try and impress. You borrow your sister's skirt, your cousin's, uh, what do you call it, blouse, your mother's shoes. Number two. <laughs> it brings contentment to the soul. Let's strive for things or position. Have you ever seen somebody, people striving for a certain position? The way they are. And then the rivalry and then trying to undermine, backbite and all those things. When you are humble, those, you are free from all those Amen. And it's a powerful place to be. To be stress-free. I don't need to impress anybody. This is who I am. If I don't have it, I don't have it. I pray that we all, in this Facebook age, we will still have humility so that we'll be able to survive this arrogant, you know, plastic, fake type of lifestyle that we have inculcated. Be who you are. Hallelujah. Be who you are and be proud of who you are. Because the beauty about it is that wherever you are, somebody is dying and crazy about you. Somewhere, somewhere. Somebody, somebody. somebody is crazy about you. The only problem is that you don't even know about him or her. You haven't seen them, but they're crazy about you. Just be cool. Be yourself. Don't try too hard. False eyelashes, false nails, false hair, false nose, false ears, false... Stop that. I say, stop that. Stop that. Be you. I said, be you. Look at somebody and say, you be you. Be you. Do you. I said, do you. This is who I am. Don't try and force her, trying to force, to impress. You see, when you impress once, you have to impress all the time. Have you ever seen somebody who puts on an accent when they are talking? How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody puts on a, a false American accent, and you see, you see them struggling. And you see that the, 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 tongue, the tongue and the teeth have been created to be very, very 
territorial. Wherever that you are, the tongue is created a certain way. The teeth is created. So you try to... You end up biting your own tongue. Listen, there's beauty about every accent. I said there is beauty about every accent. And you know that when an accent is foreign to you, it sounds very, very nice. Are you with me? Yeah. And when you are, when you are using a genuine accent, wherever it comes from, it's nice and liberating. When you are trying to fake an accent, it, it not usually comes out wrong. And it sounds very, very funny to the ear. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it sounds very funny. Have you seen a scouser trying to be a, 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 a Brahmi before? I think the worst is when you have a, 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 a black country accent trying to do, um, what's the London accent called? Cockney. Have you seen it before? Sometimes the Cockney people don't understand you. The black country people don't understand you. <laughs> you are lost on the M1. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just, just say. Don't try. You know, you tell the girl, you have this, you have that, you have this, you have that. And one day. And then the girl, the girl wants to come down. You have, you see, you have. It's a very hard life. <laughs> to maintain Yes, you are taking her to uh, uh, what do you call it? Restaurants you can't afford. You are preaching. When my girl and then uh, you are drinking water. <laughs> so you take a, what do you call it, a cab for uh, Uber for her. And then you, your last money, you can't even get on the bus. Now you have to walk from here to. When you could have both on the bus. When both of you could have been on the bus happily. Listen, listen, a girl who loves you doesn't care whether you have a car, you can give Uber, or you're on the bus. A real girl. That's a real, a real, and it's very liberating. Very liberating. Preach, pastor. You know, you know, when when we got married. (laughs) Okay, stand up, let's go. If you want me. When we got married, there was this guy who came to my wife. He said, ah. He looked at my wife. He said, ah, is that all you could do? Is that the best you could do, this guy? I am going to give you this, I'm this, I'm that, I'm going to. And me, listen, I used to do, uh, what do you call it? An Indian takeaway. I used to do, I drive, what's it called? Delivery. When somebody buys, take away in the evening, then go and deliver. Then, so this is my new chick. We sit on in a car together. When they buy tandoori chicken, chicken jafrezi, and that, then they'll take, they'll go. Flat number, uh, 53rd uh, uh, floor. We take the lift. Sometimes we have to walk on the stairs. There are times that, you know, I do 110, then she does 110. I do 110, then she does 110. I do 110. Okay, with this house, okay, it's your 10. Then she takes it to go and deliver. The next one, I take it and go and deliver. It's beautiful. That is what we had. Then when we finish in the night, when we are going home, they will give us some of the tandoori chicken. <laughs> then we get home. When we get home, we sit on the carpet. Sit on the carpet. We spread. There was, no, there was no table. We didn't have a dining table. So we sit on the floor, the carpet, tandoori chicken with uh, uh, rice. And then we eat. For sure. For sure, yeah. And we box it with the cook. <laughs> we are fine. <laughs> Stress free. This guy, 
was crying, you know, forcing, telling, telling this, this my poor wife that he is rich, he will take her, her to this, that, 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 that. And the guy was disappointed when the woman said no. After all the big, big things that you said. And you see, I, I don't have, I don't have. The day I have, we share. And life was free. And from 20 years on, life has been so free. When I have, I have. When I don't have, can't force me to do something that I don't have. It won't happen. See, it makes life easier. You live longer. I said you live longer. There's some power in humility. When you, you don't, I'm, not, I'm nobody. Come down. Okay, we are looking for Mr. No, 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 no. See, I am Reverend Doctor. I'm no nothing. I am, you know, forcing to become bishop when you have only 10 members. How many have seen those type of things? Somebody called big that you go to the church, there's nobody there. What is happening here? <laughs> general overseer, general superintendent of one branch. <laughs> bishop of one branch. Founder and bishop. You see, a bishop, you must have at least 12 churches. That's what qualifies you to be a bishop, in case you didn't know. You call yourself bishop. How many churches have you got? One. And how many people are in that one? One. <laughs> Because you have seen people calling themselves bishops, so you have to go and force and get a doctorate here. You see, if you go on the internet right now, you can get the doctorate right now. I'll show you where to go. Two hours, you get, you call it bishop right now. Call the doctor right now. The fact that somebody calls you bishop doesn't mean you're a bishop. Just as you ain't calling BMW, I'm not BMW. How many understand what I'm saying? It is not what they call it. It's what you, you are calling. I, I, I do qualify for that post. Do you? If you don't, be humble. Stay where you are. It's liberating. There are some people who are pastors. They have more people, more branches than some bishops have members. And they are pastor. In fact, there are some who are brother. Yeah. I know somebody, brother, they have more branches than the human beings in the bishop's church. I say there's power and humility. Amen. Number three, let's finish. <laughs> Increases confidence in God. Because you know you don't have, your dependence is on, it's in God, isn't it? My help comes from what? All of my help comes from Resting from your own works. Now God can work in or on your behalf. I don't know why I say in your behalf. God can work on your behalf. Hallelujah. One day I saw that guy. <laughs> One day I saw that guy. I don't know what I told my wife. One day I saw that guy. He was on the bus. After the big, big talk, this was like a couple of years later. I was driving and saw him run after the bus. I said, hey, this guy. Ah, <laughs> hmm. uh, number four. <laughs> Opens the flow of God's grace into our lives. God resists the proud and gives grace, favor, and empowerment to the humble. Hallelujah. Amen. Number five. Humility brings promotion in the right way. He humbled himself. Therefore, God has exalted him. Hallelujah. Amen. See, 
Humility brings promotion in the right way. So, because when you force him to be something you are not, you see you struggle. But when there is no pressure, how many know that those who are not under any pressure they do well? Yeah. In any sport, in have you, in hundred meters they say they say that if you want to run fast you have to be relaxed whilst running. How many have have done uh, athletics before? Oh, only one person. You have to be relaxed in the shoulders, relaxed in the neck to run fast. But you see, when you are in a, you really under pressure to win, your neck tenses up, your shoulder tenses because you want to win so badly. That you, uh, and the, the stronger you are, the slower you are. But the more relaxed you are, the quicker you go. Have you seen why uh, people like uh, Usain Bolt and they, they like to clown and everything? They try to take the pressure away. Because when I'm, I'm not under pressure, I run faster. Humility makes you not be under pressure. I didn't have a dining table. I didn't go and try and manufacture a table that was not there. We sit on the carpet. We eat our tandoori chicken. Today, I don't sit on the carpet to eat tandoori chicken by the grace of God. But then, that is all I had. And I was, I was cool. And you see, it doesn't matter what level you are. You will find, you will find a companion. You will find a... <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. Because see, if you become arrogant, then the arrogant type of girl will also come. Then you are pretending, she's pretending, and you are all pretending, going nowhere. And then you give birth to children who also pretend. Hallelujah. I pray that we will become very, very relaxed. Don't become what you are not. There's a certain liberation, there's a certain freedom, and a certain way that we ask, we, we, we allow God to, to, to lift us and promote us. Hallelujah. Have I finished?